For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome into this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone, of course, uh, ACC football getting underway on Saturday, actually on Thursday night if you count the Miami UAB game. Got a special guest joining me this week. It is David Glenn of ACCSports.com and of The Athletic. Uh, David, so I guess to uh, to start off, uh, we had this conversation, uh, I guess about six weeks ago, about whether we would even get to this point. Uh, Well, we're here, it looks like. Yeah, we are here, and a lot has changed. This was not by accident, you know. And I remember coaches telling me the original turnaround time for COVID tests to their players was a week to 10 days. And now, you know, by early September, they get turnaround uh, on their testing in less than 24 hours in many cases. Um, so that and other science has changed. Some of the trends have changed. Everybody has wanted to play football all along. But, yeah, once, once the Big Ten and the Pac-12 bailed out, Everything was kind of touch and go, and now here we are. We don't know how the season's going to unfold, but at least we know it's going to get started. Yeah, certainly the uh, the case. And I, I guess maybe the most interesting start of this for the ACC in particular, we, when we kind of touched on this last time as well uh, a little bit, is it, is it just seems like with the way the COVID scheduling has shaked out that Wake Forest just kind of continues to get crapped on because of it. Uh, what I mean, what I mean by that is because you have college game day is going to be in Winston Salem on Saturday now for the Clemson game. They can't have fans though; no fans can be in attendance. Uh, that Notre Dame game in Charlotte has now moved back to Wake Forest with no fans because they couldn't have fans at Bank of America Stadium, and right. they lost the App State game as well. So uh, your 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 reaction to uh, to what continues to unfold for Wake Forest at this point? Well, what. Here's one more to remember. Dave Clemson, who's a heck of a coach and a great man on top of that, is isolating away from his own wife, Catherine, for the entire football season because Catherine, who is a cancer survivor, is in that higher risk category when it comes to COVID. So there's one more layer to your woe is wake cake. Uh, and I think their matchup this week is a problematic one as well because as good as Dave Clawson is as a coach, uh, I mean, they're fun players to watch. Sam Hartman is a 
a proven quarterback who's back in that starting role. Boogie Basham is a great defensive end. Keep in mind, Wake was a decent team last year and lost 52-3 to to these Clemson Tigers. So it's a tough start for the Deacons. Uh, I'm sure, you know, after an 8-5 campaign, there are some expectations there again this year, but uh, Clemson was by far the worst matchup in recent years uh, for the Deeks, and that happens to be, yes, the first ever trip of game day to Winston-Salem for football. That's that's just a tough combination for I'm sure Wake fans to swallow. Yeah, certainly the case. Uh, no fans can uh, can be in attendance. Getting talking to uh, David Glenn of ACCSports.com and of the uh, the athletic. Uh, so that that Clemson weight game spread is currently sitting at at thirty three for that game on Saturday night. You mentioned last year a more talented weight team lost fifty two to three. With it being the first game, though, uh, do you think that gives Wake a better chance? To cover because my my thought is that the, is that the defenses are going to struggle first uh, to start out this uh, this season that has been delayed. It'll be fun to see that theory tested because some coaches believe that offenses need more time to get their timing down in the passing game or the communication among offensive linemen or from the quarterback to the offensive line pre snap reads and stuff like that. Um, so yes, if your theory is right. Well, then that would give Wake uh, a chance to cover. I've always laughed, right because I have a hard enough time picking some of these games straight up. Not that game, but uh, picking against the spread is even more tricky than that, and it's, I think it's extra tricky in the month of September. So uh, I probably would take Clemson minus the points because Trevor Lawrence is one of the best players in America because Travis Etienne is one of the best running backs in America because the Tigers are head and shoulders above everybody else in this league again this year in terms of overall talent. But you never know. Um, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to the spread. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's certainly going to be interesting, particularly in the, the first week of the uh, of the season. And I, and I think I saw last week in a abbreviated slate, obviously, that I, I want to say the underdogs went something like 3-1 and one or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if that... If that continues this week, probably not the case uh, in Wake Forest, Clemson. Uh, but in terms of, of the other games on the slate for the ACC, what game uh, maybe interests you the most, I guess? Uh, probably Georgia Tech and Florida State. Um, I mean, I will be watching Syracuse at Carolina. Uh, the Tar Heels are incredibly explosive on offense, but I think there's some fair questions about the defense of a Carolina team that some believe, you know, have a chance to make a run at a trip to the ACC title game. But Georgia Tech and Florida State, obviously, it is the debut of new FSU coach Mike Norvell. And he did some really good things at Memphis, and he does inherit a veteran quarterback in James Blackman and some future NFL players on defense with Marvin Wilson, among others. Uh, and Georgia Tech, in year two under Jeff Collins, you know, kind of has the energy going in the right direction. Uh, they played hard last year. They were only three and nine. You can you can tell that he has sort of uh, gotten those guys to believe in his way uh, after the end of the Paul Johnson era with triple option. It just it seemed like everybody had stopped having fun. But what's weird is that Georgia Tech lists four quarterbacks on its pregame depth chart. And James Grant, last year's starter, only completed about 45% of his pass. Everybody knows you can't win with that 
quarterback play in the ACC. Do the Yellow Jackets have a young player in Jordan Yates or Jeff Sims or Bucker Gleason? Do they have a James Graham, you know, who's a much better version of himself as a sophomore? I don't know because they're all either brand new or relatively new. Uh, and the, whether the Yellow Jackets are going to ha- have a good year, too, is directly tied to their quarterback play. Um, meanwhile, you know, Mike Norvell's already heard the stories about how Jimbo Fisher had the Seminoles winning the national title within the last decade, but Willie Taggart was a two-year disaster scenario. So there's, there's some interesting directional things on the line there. Seminoles will be scrutinizing Mike Norvell, their fan base, and Georgia Tech fans are going to be looking for just any sign that they're going to be, you know, taking a step up from that three and nine debut of Coach Collins last year. Yeah, certainly the uh, the case, and uh, that's it's an inter- I think you're right in terms of that game having the most uh, the most storylines to to look forward to. I, I, it kind of leads into what I was going to say next. Do, do you think uh, you know last year the ACC has been extremely top heavy? Uh, at the, with Clemson kind of dominating everybody, and I'm not saying that's necessarily going to change this year, but do you think the ACC is deeper this year than it has been the past couple of years? It'll be interesting to see. It was about four years ago that the ACC had phenomenal depth. You know, five different teams finished in the national top 25. Um, I don't see five teams of that caliber this year. Of course, finishing in the top 25 won't be quite as tough because some uh, other leagues are not playing football this fall. After Clemson, I think there are half a dozen teams that have a chance to be really good. Uh, Notre Dame, of course. Carolina, we mentioned. Uh, Miami has a chance to make a leap up. Louisville could be good again. Virginia Tech could be good again. Uh, Pitt believes it has a chance. Florida State under a new coach. You know, there are a lot of candidates to join Clemson, and some believe you know Notre Dame is a legit possible top 10 team as well, and the Irish are a full member this year in football uh, for one year and one year only. So that's, I think, the intrigue. The ACC needs more years where it's not Clemson and everybody else, the way it has felt in some of these seasons where, you know, Virginia wins the Coastal, gets slaughtered in the ACC title game, or Pitt wins the Coastal, but gets slaughtered in the ACC title game. Um, the ACC, knowing that football is the sport that pays most of the bills, needs better depth in football the way it traditionally has in basketball. And I think this season is going to be a good litmus test to see whether it's still Clemson and everybody else or whether they can have more years showcasing that quality depth. Yeah, it'll be uh, – I, I I'm like you. I think there's seven or eight teams that uh, – or I guess you know five or six teams after Clemson and Notre Dame that have a chance – uh, to be really good remains to be seen, obviously, whether they'll deliver on that. Uh, obviously, UNC has a ton of hype surrounding them. Uh, everybody seems to be jumping on that hype. It, you know, Going back to the spreads thing, ever since the Syracuse line came out, I think it opened at 17.5. It's now up to 23 points at some place. So people just obviously pouring in on UNC for uh, for that game against uh, against Syracuse. What uh, what intrigues you the most about watching UNC and Mac Brown in the opener? Well, the fun factor is just when the Tar Heels have the ball. Like, who doesn't like good quarterback play? Who doesn't like phenomenal running backs the way the Tar Heels have, you know, Michael Carter and Javante Williams and even some talent behind them. Uh, Daz Newsome and Deami Brown and others 
uh, at the wide receiver position. But I think in terms of understanding what the Tar Heels may be this year, whereas the fun factor is when they have the ball, the intrigue factor is when the defense trots out there. Because other than Chaz Surratt at linebacker, there's not a proven dominant player on that side of the ball. Now, there are some promising players. There are some talented players. But this is a team that's finished 7-6 last year despite an explosive offense because at times they didn't rush the passer very well. At times they didn't stop the run very well. At times they didn't play well in the secondary, you know. So and they've even lost some quality guys on the defensive line, for example, to graduation. So if the Tar Heels find the next generation of defenders to go with Jazz Surratt, well, that you know, what is it? Michael Jordan said, dealing is the roof, right? Uh, but if they struggle on defense again, it's just going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. At least Syracuse has a veteran quarterback, Tommy DeVito. So that should provide at least some kind of a test for that revised uh, UNC defense. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly true, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how many points uh, UNC puts up in that opener, particularly with that game being at home. Uh, moving over a little bit to uh, to Duke as they take on uh, number ten Notre Dame, the first team that gets to play Notre Dame as a full member of the uh, of the ACC this year. Uh, I, I know for Duke, the, the question obviously is who's going to be the quarterback and what kind of quarterback play can they get potentially uh, out of Chase Bryce? Yeah, I think you're right. That's the place to start. Uh, a lot of folks are surprised to know that Duke actually has, you know, some really promising guys on the defensive side of the ball. Anybody who hadn't seen Chris Rumpf at one defensive end and Victor DiMuchetti at the other end, you, know, you, you might see a different kind of athleticism and productivity that you're used to seeing for the Devils on the defensive front. But everywhere has, you know, some degree of quarterback play kind of being the tail that wags the dog. And I think that's especially the case at Duke right now. When Coach Cut, you know, had Eli Manning at Tennessee, or, or Eli Manning at Ole Miss, rather, Peyton Manning at Tennessee, or Daniel Jones at Duke a few years ago on his way to the New York Giants of the NFL, you know, generally speaking, the, those Cutcliffe offenses have been fantastic. And when they, when he has somebody like a, a Quentin Harris last year, nice player, waited his turn, but not a special player, the Blue Devils were not nearly as good offensively, and they really struggled at times during a 5-7 and seven season. What will Chase Bryce be after those years being a backup with the Clemson Tigers? We don't know the answer to that. One reason I'm skeptical about Chase Bryce being great right away, Ryan, is that unlike a lot of transfers in modern college football, where maybe they show up in January, maybe they get to go through a spring practice, maybe they spend all summer, you know, working on their timing in their own time, not, you know, unsupervised by coaches, uh, with their wide receivers, etc. Chase Bryce, remember, spring practice was canceled, so there was no spring practice. He had to hang around Clemson just to graduate in time, so he would be an immediately eligible player for the Duke Blue Devils. And then the pandemic kind of ruined a lot of preseason um, or off-season type uh, repetitions as well so given that he has not had the usual time to just absorb everything under David Cutcliffe it may be kind of a leap of faith to expect him to be really good right away Uh, it's not like he's a slouch for having to sit behind say Trevor Lawrence last year but that doesn't mean he's 
ready to be a superstar in mid-September either. And, uh, his his evolution will go a long way toward determining, you know, whether the Devils can you know, put together another winning season this year. I mean, also the fact that he he opens with with Notre Dame, so he's not he's not exactly getting a getting a game that uh, that necessarily eases him in to being being the starting quarterback for Duke. True, Brian Kelly. A lot of people forget that guy has won ten or more games at Notre Dame four of the last five years. And I know there's always kind of that echo of yeah, but they lose the biggest games. Anybody who sneezes at the idea of winning ten or more games four out of five seasons, take a look around. You know, there's there's 14 teams in the ACC in most years, and only the Clemson Tigers can make a statement like that. So it is an achievement. And beyond that, Notre Dame defense often being really good. Remember that the Irish averaged 37 points a game last year. Ian Book, believe it or not, everybody knows about Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, Sam Howell at UNC, uh, the Houston transfer, now with the Miami Hurricanes. Derek King is another guy to watch uh, when the Hurricanes play UAB on Thursday night. Uh, Ian Book is also on that short list of promising ACC quarterbacks. And there are some Heisman odds makers that actually put four ACC QBs in the top six or eight Heisman candidates. And that's just not something you, you typically hear from the ACC. Again, it's affected by the fact that some leagues are not playing right now. But Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell, Derek King, Ian Book, you know, that quartet of proven quarterbacks, uh, that is is about as good a reason for optimism for ACC football as anything else I can see. Uh, one other guy I would throw in there is Mikhail Cunningham at, uh, at Louisville uh, yep. as they open their season uh, against Western Kentucky on Saturday night. Uh, what are your expectations, I guess, for, for Louisville uh, under Scott Satterfield in year number two? I put Louisville on that two, tier two that we were talking about you know after Clemson and Major, maybe Notre Dame I think the Cardinals belong in that mix of teams that you should not roll your eyes if you think that they could make a run at the top two in the league or a national top 25 finish you mentioned Cunningham I mean 2,000 plus yards throwing last year uh, 22 touchdown passes he also ran for almost 500 yards and six TDs so Scott Satterfield's reputation is well earned he was a winner at App State before taking the Louisville job. He surprised a whole lot of people last year by going 8-5. and five. Uh, They had the third-best conference record in the, the whole league last year behind only Clemson's 8-0 and Virginia's 6-2. Uh, and two. I think they tied with Virginia Tech at 5-3 and three with the next-best next conference-only record. When you have a returning proven quarterback, when you have guys like Tutu Atwell and J.B. and Hawkins at the skill positions, they're going to be mega dangerous offensively again. Uh, kind of like Carolina, they're a little harder to predict on defense. And their progress on that side of the ball probably will go a long way toward determining whether they can make a run at that kind of dream season. And we're talking to David Glenn of ACCSports.com and of The Athletic. One other thing I wanted to touch on with you uh, before I let you go, David, uh, kind of going away from football, but it, it came out today that – ACC officials were were proposing an NCAA tournament that would include not just an expanded field, but the entire NCAA Division One field. Uh, your uh, your reaction when you heard that? Well, my first reaction was I know coaches well enough to know 
that they rarely miss an opportunity to argue in favor of expanding the NCAA tournament. And they rarely miss an opportunity to appear as if they are standing up for the student athlete. So they're, they're saying, you know, there's no downside to what they did today. The 15 ACC basketball coaches saying, let's just open March Madness to everybody for one year and one year only. In this crazy 2020 calendar year, everybody seems to be open to the why not approach to things, right? It's only one year. Let's do it this way. Let's have fun. Let's give all these kids the reward of a postseason appearance during a year where so many of them have had so many things go wrong or have had so many things taken away from them. I understand why they're running this up the flagpole. For those who don't know, the NCAA is expected about a week from now to make a major announcement about how winter sports, including men's basketball, are going to be handled. So it's not mere coincidence that they came out with this announcement today. I don't think there's a high probability that this is going to be adopted. But as you know, Ryan, you know, all it takes is a TV partner to say, yeah, we think this is a great idea, or here's another bucket of money to expand the, the NCAA tournament, you know, at a time when all these schools need extra money. I think everybody knows the bottom line is college basketball cannot afford to miss a second straight NCAA tournament, financially and otherwise. How big it is remains to be seen. Maybe we'll see something between 68 and the, you know, 340-something. Uh, but I, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to want to watch, you know, the last place team in the MEAC. Uh, playing against the best team in the ACC in the in the round of 350 or whatever, uh, but who knows? Crazier things than happen have happened, and especially in a weird year like this, uh, I think everything is at least on the table to be discussed. Well, my my first reaction was I, I can't wait for the March Madness shows where we're debating about the 342nd seed or the 343rd seed, <laughs> and who should have been who should have been seated higher between those two teams. Uh, my second and maybe more reasonable reaction was, in a year where you're you're concerned about COVID, obviously, and contact, I, I'm not sure that this is the year that really makes sense logistically in terms of that to expand. I'm with you, and I even remember about a month ago, I believe it was, NCAA President Mark Emmert being quoted about the possibility of a bubble approach to March Madness. And one of the things he said, and this goes directly to your point, he said, it's hard for our scientists to envision trying a bubble approach with 68 teams. He said it even would be hard at 32 teams. He said the medical feedback was that it would not be very hard with 16 teams. And keep in mind, you know, bubbling basketball teams that have 15 guys and then support staff and coaches is a heck of a lot less complicated than bubbling football teams that have 100-plus, you know, even before you get to the support staff. So it's on their radar, but as you said, the bigger the bracket gets, the more complicated the safety factor becomes, at least in most scenarios, and that's one more reason that I just, I know, I know they announced it as a 15-0 decision by the ACC men's basketball coaches, I don't think they're going to get that kind of uh, support at the NCAA level. We'll see. <laughs> I just uh, I can't imagine so because I 
logistically trying to figure out a 340-some team tournament uh, during COVID does not sound very... <laughs> Does not sound uh, like a fun time if you're the uh, if you're the NCAA, but uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see next week on what they decide on that. And remember, one thing uh, that uh, we should file away with all of this: the ACC and the SEC on the football side are really, really glad that they did not make all of their decisions too early, right? The way the Big Ten and the Pac-12. In, in significant numbers are kind of second-guessing themselves right now. There are aspects of trying to plan for something that happens in the month of March that are incredibly difficult. I mean, even beyond the obvious, the science could change between now and then, just the way the science has changed over the last six months. Um, there's a possibility of a vaccine between now and then, right? There's a possibility of a horrible flu season that would complicate things even more. So things could get better, things could get worse, and that's why, you know, these schools are, we've already seen Virginia Tech NC State football game postponed, you know, before the season yeah. started and pushed back two weeks. If, if these schools, they're waking up on a Saturday morning getting the COVID test for their football players from Friday afternoon and then learning the morning of a game who can play and who can't play. So it's hard to imagine planning six months down the road when in some cases these teams, these schools are having trouble, you know, planning six hours in advance, much less six months in advance. <laughs> no, uh, no question about it. Uh, uncertain times as that continues to be the, uh, the best way, I guess, to describe <laughs> Uh, 2020 at this point, uh, just for everybody and for uh, for college athletics as well. Again, we've been talking to uh, to David Glenn from ACCSports.com and the Athletic. Uh, David, appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join us today. Always fun, Ryan. And this time, I actually get to say, enjoy the game. <laughs> I haven't been up to say that in quite a while, but it's always good to be with you. We might be speaking a touch too soon, but hopefully, you're right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. As, as you said, every everything comes with an asterisk. Right. Yeah, that, that's Great uh, time. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. That's uh, that's exactly the uh, the case. Again, we've been talking to uh, David Glenn from ACCSports.com. And the Athletic. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. As always, you can get it on uh, Believe.com. Also, anywhere you get podcasts like Apple and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.